You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. the course of our lives, we sometimes sin foolishly, sometimes grievously, other times intentionally, but God doesn't throw us a beat down. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't turn on us. Instead, in fact, he's astonishingly kind towards us. He protects us from the worst of sin's consequences and he speaks softly to draw us back onto the path of obedience and virtue. Living in a culture where people strive to present a perfect image, making mistakes is a big deal. We don't want anyone to see how we've messed up, and it's easy to carry this over into our relationships with God. Well, today, Pastor Mike reminds you that God isn't some kind of spiritual meanie just waiting for you to mess up so he can lay into you. Actually, it's quite the opposite. When you blow it, intentional or not, God is gentle and kind. He'll walk with you through the fallout and help you get back on track. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 as he continues his message, God Stepped In. heard it said before, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And it's true, right? So don't give up, man, you know, don't throw in the towel. And so anyway, this is that God who stepped in, as I had mentioned uh, before. So this is the God of the Bible and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God about whom Paul is writing, the God about of whom Paul is recommending. This is the God we need, though unfortunately men in their sinful state don't even know this. They don't even recognize this. Instead of coming to him to find new life and righteousness, we run from him to wickedness and spiritual death. But anyway, this is the God who stepped in. So that's the answer to that first question. Who is this God? Let's go on now to our second question. It's also our second point. Okay, so what did this God who stepped in do for us? Or what has God done? Well, let's go back to those two opening words of verse 4, which serve as uh, the beginning of our text, but God. Now, I want you to just kind of trip on that just for a moment. Think about that, but God. And isn't it wonderful what those two words represent? Isn't it wonderful to discover that although... We, at one time, ran from God. 
you know, go back to your BC days. Well, I don't really want to bring you back there. I guess I shouldn't do that. What a bummer, right? And, uh, but I mean, you know, I think about myself. I can only speak for myself. But I was always running from God. And uh, I was thinking about what David said in, the, in the, the shepherd psalm, in the 23rd psalm, where he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And whenever I read that, I think of like two puppies. We were in Toronto yesterday with my uh, daughter, Jessie, and she has a puppy, uh, a Bernadoodle, which is one of the cutest dogs ever. But that puppy, man, you know, she's always like, you know, with her, with her snout, she's always like putting it in you. She always wants the attention. And she's always like nipping at your, your pant leg, and she's always looking for attention. She's always, you know, after you, after you, after you. And, uh, and that's who God is. And whenever I, you know, whenever I read the 23rd Psalm, I think of like two puppies dogs. Uh, Their names are goodness and mercy. They follow you wherever you go, even like puppies, you know. They never give you a break. They're always, and that's the God who is constantly pursuing after us, right? Like two puppies that never give up. We're always buying for our attention, right? Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. That's the God that I know. That's the God that's being recommended to us here in this text of uh, Scripture. And uh, we're so thankful. So isn't it wonderful to discover that although we've run from God, preferring wickedness and death to righteousness and life, praise the Lord, although we've run from him, God has never run from us. In fact, just the opposite is true. He ran towards us. Instead, he has come to us and has done for us precisely what needed to be done. And what was that? Well, he saved us. He rescued us from that terrible condition that's described at the beginning of this chapter, verses 1 through 3. As I mentioned before, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God made us alive in Christ. Notice, go back to our text in verse 5. What does it say there? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, We've been made alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Oh, what a blessing. We were dead in sin, but God made us alive with Christ. Wow. We were dead to any godly influences. We were enslaved by our sins. We were objects of wrath. All of the things that I've already mentioned. But now we have emerged from our tomb at God's calling. Even as Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth from the grave, you know, wrapped in all of the embalming clothes. And, you know, one person says he stinketh. That's, you know, that was our condition in our B.C. days, right? And now life is itself new. The Bible tells us if any man or woman be in Christ, uh, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And life in itself is new. We have a new standard of righteous living to pursue. Since chains and shackles have been broken, and we are free to act righteously and serve God effectively in this world. Notice what it says in verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How did God accomplish that? How did he go about doing that? Well, simply, Jesus suffered and died in our place for our sins upon the cross. And thus we've been delivered from judgment. We are no longer under wrath. We are no longer children of wrath. Oh, if we only truly understood those two words, but 
God. It would save our souls. If we would recall them daily and live by them, they will transform our lives completely. Well, that brings us to our third question. And our third point, there's four in all. The third question, third point, now why did God do this? Why would God even waste his time on someone like me, the truth be told? Good question. And the only answer that I can come up with is love, and if you're taking notes, write this down, love, mercy, grace, and kindness. And guess what? In this text, you'll find all four of those words. It's true. Well, let's take them in that order. First of all, love. Why did God do this? We're trying to answer this question. Why did God intervene on your behalf? Well, first of all, because of his love. Notice in verse 4, it says, because of his great love for us. You know, C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, uh, described this love by saying, God who needs nothing, loves into existence, holy superfluous, creations or unnecessary or wasteful creations, and I'm only referring to myself here. I'm speaking about me. I'm not speaking concerning any of you, but I, I definitely would, would have fallen into that category. So anyway, God who needs nothing, loves into existence, holy superfluous creations in order that he may love and perfect them. He creates the universe already foreseen, or should we say seen, there are no tenses in God. The buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the mesial uh, nerves, the repeated torture of back and arms, as it is time after time, for breath's sake, hitched up, herein is love. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. That's who God is. God loves. But then also, in that, under that heading, why did God do this? Not only because of his great love, but also because of his mercy. Notice, go back to verse 4 of our text. It says, who is rich in mercy. Now, mercy is related to love. In fact, it flows out from it. But mercy has the sense of favor, doesn't it? being shown to those who deserve the precise opposite. I mean, think about it. If nothing but a proper code of retribution and rewards followed our behavior or the way that we lived our lives, the truth be told, we would only experience God's wrath upon us, right? But that's not what mercy is, right? And so mercy has the sense of favor being shown to those who deserve the precise opposite. So instead of condemning us, as he has every right to do, he reached out and saved us through the death of his son. Now, another reason why God did this was grace. Notice there in verse 5. Let's go back to our text there in verse 5. It says, by grace you have been saved. And this is the word that it seems as if, if you consider the writings here of Paul in this epistle, was utmost on Paul's mind, particularly here in this chapter. Notice he, amend, he mentions grace again in verse 8. Let's jump ahead. It'll be a part of one of our future texts. But it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Now grace means that there is no good cause 
in us why God should have acted the way that he did. Grace, God's favor to the utterly undeserving. So that, that's another reason why God stepped in, simply because of his grace. But then lastly, another thing that I wanted to draw your attention to and why God did this was because of his kindness. Let's jump ahead to verse 7. Notice there in verse 7 that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. You might want to underline that word towards us in Christ Jesus. So in the course of our lives, now think about this, in the course of our lives, we sometimes sin foolishly, sometimes grievously, other times intentionally, but God doesn't throw us a beat down. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't turn on us. Instead, in fact, he's astonishingly kind towards us. He protects us from the worst of sin's consequences, and he speaks softly to draw us back onto the path of obedience and virtue. Isn't that true? It's, it's sort of like the prodigal son who wasted his father's inheritance. When finally he wakes up one day, face down in a pigsty, comes to his senses, and he determines, you know what? You know, I, I know that I can't have the same kind of a position that I once had in my father's house as an honored son, but maybe if I come crawling back to him, you know, he'll receive me as a servant. And to his surprise, as he's heading back now, finally come to his senses, you know, he makes out this figure in a distance on the same road that he's traveling back to his dad's house. And guess who it was? Ready to greet him. It was his dad. Ready to restore him to the, the, the same relationship that he once had. Bring out the robe. Put the ring on his finger, right? Have a big feast. My, my son who was lost has now been found. He's come home. That's the God that we know, you see, right? That's the God whom we uh, serve. And so God is so kind towards us. Okay, so let's bring this all together now. Why has God acted this way in spite of ourselves? Why has God stepped in and intervened? Well, Paul's answer simply, God is love, God is mercy, God is grace, and God is kindness. That's who he is. And gang, we can only marvel. Now let's get on to the final question. And, uh, and it's also our final point. The final question, what must I do? And yes, as we've already established, here we are told in chapter 2 that we are saved by God's grace alone. There's nothing that we need to add to it. We just need to rest there, right? In the grace of God. And that's where God the Father is resting, and thus we should rest there as well. And you know, it, it's so funny about Christians. I, I, you know, there are so many Christians, and I guess it all has to do with the kind of churches that they attend or what they've been taught by the people that they listen to. But all of their Christians' lives and existence, they never, have, they never come to a full understanding or comprehension of what grace really is. It truly is the undeserving favor of God. And, and there's nothing that we can do to earn it, right? It, it's just a free gift that comes from God. And, and this is the, the way that we travel by which a man is saved. It happens by grace through the operation of faith in Jesus Christ. 
Our faith in Jesus Christ alone is sufficient for our salvation, for us to be able to secure our eternal destiny. But you know what? There are so many Christians who never get that. And thus they're always up and down, sideways. You know, they just, one day they feel very close to God, and then the next day they don't. It's all about performance, isn't it? Right? But you see, when we develop this love relation, and this is why this is also very important, that we develop a love relationship with God, you see. And uh, because if you're loving God, right, you're going to obey him. And that's the secret to obeying the Lord. The Bible tells us that we love him because he, what? First loved us. You know, think about the mo- one of the most precious relationships, one of the most precious natural relationships that you have in your life's experience. Is it your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your, your brother, sister, your children, uh, a relative, a close friend? And you would never do anything to harm them. Why? Because you know that they love you, and in turn, you love them as well. And that sort of like keeps you in check, right? Uh, you're going to be very careful in, your, in the relationship that you have with those individuals. And so it is in our relationship with God. It needs to be built on and predicated upon love. And if it's built on anything else, folks, you're not going to get it. If it's built on a sense of like, uh, you know, well, it's my responsibility, I'm a Christian, or, or whatever, anything other than love, you might do it for a while, but you won't continue to walk with the Lord. And, that, and I think that's, a, that's one of the reasons why a lot of Christians kind of slip out the back door, because they've never cultivated that love relationship with the Lord. And isn't it true? Our relationship with the Lord in the Scriptures is likened unto a marriage. The church is the bride, and Jesus is the bridegroom. Isn't that true? Right? And, uh, and we're all heading towards the marriage supper of the Lamb one day. That's going to be great. You know, I, man, I'll tell you something. My, my son Mike, who's here, and his wife Dana, uh, just got married a couple of months ago. And, man, that was a, one of the best receptions. Wedding, I don't know, maybe I'm a little partial. But, and uh, I'm just thankful that I didn't have to pay for it. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but man, it was, it was awesome. But the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be like, you know, a million times better. Sorry, Mike and Dana, but it was really great. And uh, we have something really to look forward to. When finally we are gathered together and we finally will be able to spend eternity with the object of our affection. It's going to be an amazing, uh, amazing experience. So anyway, getting back to this final question, I just kind of went off the deep end there. What must I do? Well, yes, we are saved by God's grace alone, but listen, once we are saved, we should inevitably want to serve the one who has been so loving to us, so kind to us, because we want to respond in kind as well. We want to surrender to God's love. So, as we close out this message, I want you to think about this. So I'm going to just shoot some questions at you. Is that okay? I don't know everyone that's here. I don't know where you are in the progression of your relationship with the Lord, but you know, maybe you're, you're a fringe kind of a Christian. I don't know if there is such a thing or not. It's actually, the, the truth of the matter, I don't know how any of us could be fringe Christians, but are you still unsaved would probably be more of an accurate question. Well, if so, praise the Lord, you're here. God brought you here. Not to condemn you, but to draw you to himself. Are you still unsaved? If so, 
let God's unmerited favor, His grace, and love in Jesus Christ move you, woo you. Just like, uh, you know, I wooed my wife. When I, when I first saw my wife, man, I did everything that I possibly could, you know, to get an introduction. I saw her from my living room window. She, I was a school teacher. She was teaching in a, a school right across the street. She happened to be out in the playground with the kids on recess. And I saw her, and I said, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta find out who that girl is. And so I did everything that I possibly could do. All of a sudden, we, I decided we were going to have a party. And guess who I was going to invite to the party? I told my roommate at the time. We were, you know, I was single, obviously. And, uh, and then I happened to run into her downtown. We weren't believers. But I did everything that I possibly could do. And everything. I mean, that party was like, you know, everything. And, you know, I just made sure that everything was this way and that way. And then finally, you know, got everybody out of the room where I was alone with her, you know. <laughs> I got, can, I, can I confess something to you? Before the evening was over, I actually kissed her goodbye. <laughs> I'm so smooth. <laughs> but it's true. And guess what? She kissed me back. All right. Okay, anyway, let's move on here. Let God's grace, love, woo you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And as I've already mentioned and quoted before in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. So, here's the questions. Are you ready to believe? Are you ready to receive? Let this great love of God move you to the heights of consecration and activity. I just want to end with this. There's this old hymn that was uh, written in the early 1700s by a fellow whose name is, was Isaac Watts, who's known as one of the greatest hymnists. He's written literally thousands of hymns that are contained within those old hymnals, you know, in the back of the, you know, the pews that you used to attend those churches and stuff. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm not putting them down or anything. But he wrote, like, many of those hymns that are contained within those hymnals. Interestingly enough, that Chris Tomlin took one of his hymns and he sort of like made it more contemporary. And the original title was, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Are you familiar with that? You're probably more familiar from Chris Tomlin, right? Well, anyway, the original hymn that was written in the early 1700s by this fellow Isaac Watts, the last stanza of that hymn goes like this. I'm not going to sing it, I'm just going to say it. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Can you say amen? Amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. As we study the book of Ephesians together, we pray it has encouraged you to restore relationships. Unity can be such a hard task to accomplish, but as the Apostle Paul wrote, unity binds us together in Jesus. If there's someone in your life that you need to reach out to today, know we are praying both for you and for them. 
You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening so everyone has the chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.